The Olympic theme, that's correct. Why would I why would I why would I even put that up there? Why would I even think about that? Listen, over the last few weeks, many of you have been glued to the television screen, right? Anybody? How many guys watched more Olympics than you watched anything else over the last couple of weeks? Who, who did that? Come on, tell the truth. I know you did. We watched as athletes competed. Their express purpose was to win. And I'm proud to say, am I going to be proud? United States took over like 111 medals last I heard or something like that. The most of any nation at the Olympics. That's a good thing. China edged us out with total gold medal count, but we still took total medal count. We took them, so we're excited about that. Um, some people have commented about my shirt today. Forty-three to zip. Plus, why would you do that? I said, "Well, I'm talking about we win today." And when you've got a tradition of winning, you like to just let people know about that you have a tradition of winning. And that's okay. You know? I want to talk to you this morning. No. Um, about we as church triumphant. I don't know if you noticed this, the second word in our name. Did you notice the second word in our name? Did you notice the logo? What's that say? Triumphant. In bold letters. Did you catch that? I don't know if you noticed the first word in our purpose statement. It says what? It says when. there, There are some core values we have around here that propel us in what we do, that keep us on track. And some of the things that help us win are a few of those core values. We believe here that every believer can minister. All of you play a vital role in the winning program that makes up Church Triumphant. Every believer has an opportunity to participate. Another thing that helps us do, helps us win, is that we express love. We don't just address love. We try and express love amongst ourselves, and we try to express love to people who are not yet believers in Christ with the express purpose of getting them to consider following Jesus. We believe that methods at times change, but the message never changes, and that helps us be a winning program. We believe that worship is a lifestyle, that it's not just a portion of a service that you participate in. We believe that worship is something that you carry out day in and day out, week in and week out. Morning, noon, and night, you worship Jesus by the laying down of your life, according to Romans 12, 1. And thereby, the hearts of people are changed, and souls are one. That's part of our winning. We believe this. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you matter. The fact that we express to people that they matter is an opportunity for us 
to express to them that Jesus thinks they matter. And that is another opportunity for us to win their hearts, to win their souls. That's what we believe. That's our core values. Those are just, just, that's about five of them. That's not all of them. I could go, but these directly relate to we win. I want to talk to you about the two sides of the we win coin. coin. We win is a statement of fact first. It's a statement of fact first. It's also a statement of purpose. It's not just something that's true about us. It is something that we do. Vince Lombardi is quoted as saying this. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's, not an, it, it is, it's an all-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. Do them right all the time. Winning is habit. Now, I know he's talking about a football game. Let's just convey that into the kingdom of God for just a minute. Winning for us, both in fact and in purpose, should become habitual. It should be something that happens to us that we don't think about, we just live in. It should not be something we do once in a while. It should be something that we do all the time. Winning is a habit. It's not just sometimes. Let me say this again. We are church triumphant. And we are a winning people. Both over adversity and in mission, we are a winning people. Let's talk about the fact for a minute. Winning the fact. We win the fact. You know, Scripture encourages us to have a winning Perception, a running perspective. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-26 says these words. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives a prize. Paul asked a question to Mark. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He tells us to have a winning attitude. Run in such a way as to achieve the prize. You know, I used to be super, super, super competitive. I mean, like, unbelievably out-of-control competitive. I mean, we're embarking upon the NFL season next Sunday. I remember being a high school student, having transplanted my family, having transplanted me from the hills and greenery of Ohio to the white sandy beaches of the sun coast of Florida. I can remember carrying my roots with me and quite often running around the schools of St. Petersburg, Florida, Dixie Hollins High School, you would find me wearing something like that or something about the Cincinnati Reds or something about the Cleveland Browns and those roots ran deep with me. And you know what? I lived in Florida those years during some events that were called, many of you Browns fans will remember, The Drive. You'll remember The Fumble. I can remember right smack in the middle of those. 
watching the John Cooper-led Buckeyes lose in a last-minute field goal to the Wolverines of Michigan. And I can remember, I can remember sitting in front of the TV because competitive nature had overwhelmed me and crying like a baby. I couldn't take it. The Bible says confession is good for us. I just want you to know that. I can remember being a high school football player, losing as a varsity high school football player. I can remember losing every game I played as a varsity high school football player except for three, and we had to forfeit them. I'm just telling the truth. And I can remember, my folks can attest, I told my mom last week, I'll tell myself this week. After a Friday night football game, mom and dad liked to steer clear of me. (laughs) For most of the fall of my junior and senior years of high school, because I wasn't very pleasant to be around. Losing was not fun to me. I like winning a lot better, I must say. I'm not nearly as uptight and amped up about it as I used to be. But the scriptures plainly tell us, I know, I know some, some, it drives some people crazy when some people just play to have fun. You know what I mean? If you're not going to play to win, what's your problem, man? We don't even want you on the team. What's wrong with you? Well, the scriptures tell us here in our spiritual life, we must work to win. We must run in such a way as to achieve the prize. Paul goes on to say there, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. God calls us to have a winning perspective. Number two, triumph is the possession of the Christian. I want you to know 1 John 4, 4 through 5 says this, Listen to these words. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Here's the key, though. Our victory is in and through the person of Jesus Christ. That's where our victory lies. In him and in him alone. That is the only place we have victory. That is the only place we have the opportunity to overcome. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58 says this, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us encouragement there. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, I'm not talking about everything always going our way. Just because we are winners in the scope of life, because of Christ, does not mean everything is always peachy king and everything is always great. The mere fact that you have to win something connotates that there is a battle, there is a fight, and there is opposition. John 16, Jesus says, In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans eight thirty seven says this, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. 
through him who loved us. That's after a list of things he says we have to face day in and day out. So it's not a matter of not having problems. It's a matter of overcoming problems and issues. So that's our statement of fact. Regardless of what happened, what is going on in your life, if you're with Christ, you win. You will face opposition. You will face problem. The world, your flesh, and the devil will come at you and cause you to be in struggle and to be in strife. But you still win. That's our statement of fact. We're going to turn, we talked about that a little bit last week in the middle of worship. We're going to turn the corner real quick and we're going to talk about winning as our purpose. We win the purpose. I want to remind you of something. The very first line in our mission statement is church triumphant exists to preach the gospel to all people. As I was first attending Church Triumphant, I came here in the fall of 1994. In the spring of 1995, I had the awesome privilege of <laughs> had the awesome privilege of trying to be here on Wednesday night for foundations class. I worked at the time; that was a little bit of a struggle. Couldn't quite get here every time, but I took the tapes and went and listened. And one thing that just that, I, that resonates on the inside of me after having taken that class is a quote from the, the, the material that said something to this effect. The goal of the gospel is world conquest, it said. Not in the sense of domination, but in the sense of winning the allegiance of men's hearts to God. Winning the allegiance of men's hearts to God. That is what our win really is about. When we write win, disciple, send, the win is about our purpose. It is about us winning the allegiance of men's hearts to God. That's, what we, that's why we are here. There's a scriptural precedent for that. Check, check this out. Proverbs 11.30 says these words. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. As a Christian, the fruit of righteousness should be exhibited in your life. We talked Wednesday night about the Beatitudes here at the Bible study on Wednesday nights, about how those are the things that will cause us to be the light of the world. The fruits of righteousness will be a tree of life to people, spread out over them in the heat of the sun of life that they can reach up and partake of from our lives. And by that, if our intention is to win souls, that makes us wise. That makes us truly the sons of God. Now, we need to understand what that purpose is. Understanding the purpose, the we win purpose. First of all, I need to tell you something. This purpose, it is a mandate. Listen. If you are, I would ask for hands, but I don't want to put people in a precarious position. Maybe I should. If you're following Christ, this is not optional. You do not have a choice in this. As a disciple of Jesus, as one who follows him, you are obligated to be involved in the process of bringing people to him. It is a mandate. It is a, an executive order from the chief in heaven. 
This is what I want you to do. As followers of Christ, we have no choice but to play our part in God's plan and to, to win that which is lost. Jesus tells us in Mark 16, he, says, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons and they will speak in, with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. To me, this is kind of like combining the we win purpose with the we win statement of fact. Whatever comes at us, we got it covered, man. Jesus got it covered. As we carry out our purpose, adversity, opposition is going to come. He's going to supernaturally enable us to overcome them. And do what he's called us to do. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. While carrying out this mandate, check this out. We will both win hearts and lives and overcome every obstacle by his power. By his power. You know, we have a compelling message. Jesus spoke in a parable in Luke 14, 23. He said, the master said to them, to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Our job as Christians is to go out and be a compelling force, to take our compelling message. What is that message? We'll talk about that towards the end. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. And sometimes we just sit still and sit by while people's lives fly by us and we never do any compelling, we never do anything to get in their face. We, we just kind of let it go by. Jesus has given us a tactic to accomplish this. Our tactic, Jesus is our example. He, and, he, 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 he went, he did this, Luke 19 Jesus is being in, in a throng of people. He's moving through the streets and he, he finds himself in this town as people were crashing in around him. There's this one little fella named Zacchaeus whom nobody else wanted, anybody, wanted anything to do with. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was a tax collector. He was a traitor. He was all sorts of things and everybody just kind of, get away. And he was, on top of that, he was very short. And so not only did he have some character issues, he just had some physical makeup problems that made him very unapproachable and very easy to be made fun of and different things of that nature. And Jesus finds him, because he couldn't get through the throng, he finds him, he finds, Jesus finds him up in a tree. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Come down, Zacchaeus. I want to go to your house. And I'll bet, I could, I'll bet you could hear the gasp. What is this Zacchaeus? Doesn't he know who he is? Just the thought that Jesus would be seen with Zacchaeus could really taint his character really bad. And the disciples are going, oh great, oh great, oh great. Oh no, what is Jesus doing this time? Aren't we always already in enough trouble? 
Now he's got to go hang out with this guy. Great. And Jesus says some funny words after he goes to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus' life is changed around. He says, whatever I've taken, I'll give back. I'll do whatever it takes to get things right. Because Jesus showed some love to him that nobody else would show. And Jesus says these words. Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How do you overcome loss? You win. Jesus has called us to win the lost. Paul also is an example to us of that. 1 Corinthians 19, Paul talks about what he does, how he accomplishes the goal of winning. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, he says, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul says, I will do whatever it takes to win the heart of another person. I will go to whatever extent is necessary. I will will make sure that, 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 that those things are accomplished. That God called me to do. You know, Paul's talking about this. He said, I endure all sorts of things. I'll go through whatever. 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain, the, the, may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. He said, you know what? I'll go through whatever. I will, I will, I will fight through whatever. I will do whatever to make sure I accomplish the purpose of winning people. And we as Christians ought to get that kind of tenacity. We will endure whatever hardship. We will go through whatever calamity. We will go through whatever tragedy. We will do whatever it takes to make sure we accomplish the goal and the purpose. You know, our hope over the next um, several months, we will begin to put some things in your guys' hands that will propel you out into the highways and the byways. We hope to, you know, do some things that weekly, daily, your mindset is so wrapped around what it is it means to be a part of the body of Christ and specifically to be a part of Church Triumphant that you can't, hardly, you, you can't separate yourself from it. It's much more than Sunday morning. It's much more than Wednesday night. It's much more than home group. It's something like Michael Phelps. You eat, sleep, and breathe to attain your goal. You will suck down 10,000 calories to make sure you've got enough energy to get the work accomplished. You will do whatever it takes to make sure it happens. And you eat, sleep, and breathe it. That's our hope. We hope to develop some invitation cards that will slide in the bulletin every week. And every week, you're responsible as a member of Church Triumphant. Not just to stick them under, you know, okay, I can get, my, I can get rid of mine real quick. And you're, you're at the mall, find a windshield wiper. Choom, 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 choom. Okay, I'm done for the week. Great. Absolutely not. That is unacceptable. You said anything, Aaron. I mean, I, we want you to get about 
being relational with people. And you walk in and you find out that they're struggling with something. And we develop an invitation card. Hey, you know what? At church right now, we're dealing with that exact thing. You ought to come see us and hopefully open up. What have you learned during that time? Well, you know what? You know, the pastor said this last week, and then it really helped me. And you know what? The Bible says that. And you all of a sudden, because this little thing that's insignificant, relatively inexpensive, all of a sudden you're having an internally significant moment that makes all the difference in the world to somebody who's lost, who's hurting, who's dying without Christ. We hope to, 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 to develop events that are strictly invitational events that put you in front of people that go, you know, you should come to our church. because you know, Think Power Force Crusade. Think Harvest Home. Think Hallelujah Night. Think those sorts of things that are just for the express purpose of, you know what? We've tackled that issue before. Come see what's going on at our church and, and you know, that kind of a thing. We, I don't we hope to do more organized outreach events. We're making some changes to the building just for the purpose of making it easier for us to enter into conversation and fellowship and things of that nature that will draw people's hearts in. That's the whole bottom line. Zig, Zig, or Vince Lombardi um, said this, winning isn't everything, listen to these next words, but the will to win is everything. Zig Ziglar said something very similar. He said, winning is not everything, but the effort to win is. Shining the light of Jesus should be the most natural part of who we are. Matthew uh, chapter 5, Jesus said, he said, he looked at his disciples, the people he was preaching to on, on, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden And he says, that's what I've called you to do. It should be natural to be shining the light of Christ wherever we go. It shouldn't be something that's weird and awkward and I don't know what to say and I don't know what. We have, we're, Paul said, we read a minute ago, we are running not for a corruptible crown, but for an incorruptible crown. What we do has significance. What we do has eternal ramifications. What we do can make an everlasting impact in the life of someone. Fulfilling this purpose, in order to fulfill this purpose, we have to understand the scope of the purpose. The scope of the purpose is this. There should be a local ramification to it. There should be a regional ramification to it. There should be a national ramification to it. And there should be a global ramification to what we do. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, he says... But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me. And he begins to chronicle out how he's going to use them. He says, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea. He's going from the town that they currently were residing in to the region around them, to Samaria, which was a nation right next door. Then he says, to the uttermost parts of the world, you will be witnesses. And I'll remind you of a message we listened to at the first part of July, where Mark Batterson on that screen right there said, Jesus is a dreamer. And he took 12 guys who could absolutely not fulfill what it was he called them to fulfill. And he gave them fodder to go do it. The same invitation is extended to us. Go change Ross County. Go change Kingston. 
Go change Chillicothe. Go change Ohio. Go change the nation. Go change the world. And the dream still goes on. I'm a little bit wound up, I hope you know. We are called to some great purpose, and sometimes we just take it very matter-of-factly and for granted. It is something beyond scope on our little finite minds, and if we don't take it seriously, it'll get right past us. Our hope... I'll get, I'll get ahead of myself. Next week, we'll talk about disciple and sin. How's that? Once you're a disciple, we'll talk about how we do that and what that means to us. We want to send you out. Locally and regionally and nationally and globally to change the world. Luke 24, Jesus said these words, 24, 46 through 49. Thus it is written, it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. This is the gospel he's saying. This, is the, this was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name, listen, to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. He said, start here and take it globally. Every time I open a door, walk through it. And take this message with you wherever you go. And you are witnesses of these things. And he goes on to say, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we absolutely have to have in order to do what God's called us to do. The empowering work of the Holy Spirit has to be with us in order for us to come. And I am spitting really bad. Hang on a minute. Okay. Mark 13. Jesus said this gospel must... Listen, he didn't say it might be preached. It said it, it, he said it, it may be preached. He didn't say, if you want to, you can preach it. Jesus' words in Mark 13 are this. This gospel must first be preached all the nations then he says then the end will come some of us hang out hoping to get taken out of here in a hurry see ya I'm not going to go into any theological debate about that right now but here's the deal you want Jesus to come get busy this gospel must first be preached don't hang out in some cave somewhere waiting for the day to happen you might want to stock up rations if you want to, but if you're just doing it for the special purpose to take care of yourself, forget that. You better be thinking about what, how you might use them to help other people and use it for an opportunity for the gospel. You know, we're about to get hammered here in the United States. Looking like a one-two punch down in the southeast. We prayed this morning that the church would rise. That we would be seen as the light. You're going to accumulate stuff that's good go ahead but make sure you use make sure you use that stuff to share the gospel with somebody it must first be preached i want to talk about the i want to talk to you about the final score the final score is this it's not based on points but it's based on faithfulness the final score is not based the final score that we that we live up to is that we're not responsible for results we're responsible for obedience. Luke 19, 13, Jesus says, do business till I come. In other words, just don't do it today. Don't just do it this week. Just don't do it for a month. 
Do it until I come. Stay faithful until I come. That's what we'll be rewarded for. That's the prize we chase after. He, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. He says to continue, to keep going, remain faithful, keep on that. Stay where, 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 you, where you've been instructed. Stay on the vision. Stay on the mission. And keep going. Matthew 24, 14. The gospel must be preached. Then the end will come. We win with a message. We win because we have a message. The message looks something like this. And if you are like, I'm not very versed in sharing my faith, you might want to get out a pen right quick. I'm going to give you your first tool and they're going out and doing this wherever you go. Okay? I'm really big on application. You can sit in here all day, listen to great messages, of which we have participated in many. But unless you take the stuff you're given and you go out and do something with it, it is for naught. It means nothing. The Bible said we should not just be hearers of the word, we should be doers. And so I'm going to give you some fodder to help you kind of help Share the gospel with somebody. Be real, real brief. I'm going to ask you to do some homework. I, I purposely, check this out. I'm so mean. I'm giving you homework on Sunday afternoon. I purposely not put scripture references for this. I think you should probably dig in and find them for yourself. Does that mean? I'm so mean. Arsenio Hall used to say on his, on his show when he'd say something honorary or mean, he'd go, bad host, bad host. Bad pastor, bad pastor. Go figure these out. Find these for yourself, okay? I'm going to give you the outline, and you can go with it from there, all right? We have this message. We call it the gospel. And here it is, sort of in a nutshell. The gospel looks like this. God created us. Hang on. God created us for relationship with him. That's the G. Simple, plain, easy. This is not something to be recited, I might say, as well. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you the gospel. And then you break out your old flannel graph from Sunday school. You know what I mean? You should make this a part of who, how you think and who you are. So when you find yourself in a conversation, this information is just right quick there. And you're going, while you're, th- you're not actually saying maybe this, this, this acronym, you're thinking it and talking conversationally with people about what it means and what, it, what God says about it. And you share the gospel with him. God created us for relationship with him. That's the bottom line. That's, that's, that's the purpose all human beings exist. Number two, our sin separates us from him. That's the O, our sin. I heard somebody des- you know, describe the next part this way. Sin cannot be removed by good works. And I think it's really good. You know, we can try and like show up to church. We can try and put money in a tithe basket. We can try and, and watch... Christian TV, listen to Christian radio, buy Christian CDs, listen to Christian books, and try and... But we can't remove that stuff. We can go on mission trips. We can... And still not have dealt with the sin problem that separates us from God. Those things are great. We ought to be doing those. But we can't do those to take care of the sin problem that keeps us from separating from God in the first place. Those should be fruits of having taken care of the sin problem. The sin problem is this. We are born with it. Thanks to our four parents, Adam and Eve. 
I told these guys this story before. I have never had to, I have never ever had to teach one of my kids to lie. I've had four of them. The third one hadn't yet quite got down that road yet. All he does is smile and look at you. The other three, I don't know where they picked it up. Why, why did you do that? The first lie they always know is, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. You do know why you did it. You know. Where did that come from? Well, you see, Dad, I was going to do this so I could give that to you. No, you weren't. <laughs> right? It's just ingrained in us. And once that's in us, it's like making a cake. I love this. Eventually, the explosion uses this. It's like taking a cake, making it with rotten eggs, Baking it and then going, okay, let's take the rotten eggs out of it. Impossible. You can put all the icing on it you want to. You can do everything else you want to try and do and dress it up real nice. And Latanya's like, ooh, that is gross. <laughs> you just seen the look on her face. She's like, ooh, I didn't want to think about that. Next to Heather Crosby, Latanya's our resident nutritionist. She kind of helps us stay on track, holds us accountable for how we eat. But we can't take that away. That rottenness is still in there. Sin sin cannot be removed by good works. The P is providing redemption for our sin. Jesus died and rose again. This is the gospel. This takes care of the sin problem. We couldn't take it out. He took care of it for us. He came and lived a sinless life. Died on a cross, a hideous death. Stayed in there three days. Rose again. And now sits beside the Father in heaven making intercession for us. Having faith and trust in Him alleviates the sin problem. His blood covers us. The E. Everyone who trusts in Him has eternal life. The scripture, oh, I was going to say it. The scriptures say, you can find it for yourself. Look it up. <laughs> All who call in the Lord shall be saved on his name, by him. And the L is, in its most elementary form, life that's eternal means we'll spend forever with him in heaven. Consider this a team meeting, okay? Before we face opponents, teams get together. They strategize. They look at each other. They say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? What are we going to do? And then quite often... They'll gather in a circle in the middle of the room. They'll put all their hands. And go, you know, on three, you know, CT or something like that. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And they'll go out and do what they have to do. Later on this evening, in some cases, later on during the week in other cases, there'll be huddles of people going out to actually do the work. We call those home groups. You should be a part of one. Get together with your special team. Get together. Strategize how you, as a group, a small group of people, are going to fulfill the win purpose. Get connected to another group. We're going to, actually, we're going to start calling them connection groups. We want you to feel like that's where you get connected. In order to be connected to Church Triumphant, you need to be in one of them groups. Just sit, We want you to be here on Sunday morning, don't get me wrong. But just sitting here, looking at, staring at the back of somebody's head for two hours... Doesn't necessarily connotate a connection. Oh, don't shout me down now. <laughs> it's not about clicks, and it's not about it's about it's good for you. To grow as a Christian. 
You need close personal friendship. And re- I'm off track, and I'm, that's okay. We'll have those later this week. Get in your little huddle, strategize, call the play, and go out and do. All right? This is a team meeting. We've got everybody together. We strategize. Now we're going to bust you guys up into your specific roles and purposes. Boom! And go do the work. Does that sound good? Also, when you're facing opposition, you need to remind yourself who's in charge and give yourself some fodder to grow by. You know what we're going to do here in just a minute? We're going to begin to worship again. Because our God is king, and he's the ultimate victor, and he's given us a great challenge to go change the world, and that'll be good for us. In the middle of that, we're going to call for group leaders to come up. And here's something I want you to do. If, for some reason, you're facing a battle and you don't think you can win it, come get prayer. If you don't know Christ, and you've just looked at that gospel and thought, you know what, my life is messed up, and I need him, today would be a good day to come meet him. And number three, if you would say, you know what, I have not been committed to the purpose of winning like I ought to be, and you need to come make that right with the Lord, this is going to be the time to do it. I believe the atmosphere of worship and praise is an atmosphere that's unlike any other. At least it is for me. Things happen when people acknowledge Jesus. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And when he's, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so if he's inhabiting praise, his spirit, his presence is here, then that's where things ought to really be taking place and happening. He said, if, if, you, will, if you will exalt me, I will draw all men unto myself. If you will lift me up, I will draw all men unto myself. So as we go out with the idea that we need to go out and win souls, win lives, win hearts to Christ, the very first place to start is by first acknowledging and lifting him high and giving him honor, praise, and thanksgiving. Consider this your prep rally. Huh? Huh? Let's stand.